Well, that was the sound of the shofar, ram's horn, sometimes used in the Bible to call God's people together. Now, we have a whole lot out today. We'll start pulling back a few things of the tabernacle so you can see. And as I'm doing this, I'm debating. Normally we don't do this, but we're going to do it right now for now. Those of you that are having trouble there, there are a few empty seats, uh, is all I can say. Okay. <laughs> well, let's do a very quick review. I'd like you to start again in Hebrews chapter 9. Book of Hebrews chapter 9, please. I'm going to read verse 2, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 2. And the very first phrase says, For there was a tabernacle made. And it is what the New Testament is telling us about the Old Testament, tabernacle given to the Hebrew people. We have reminded ourselves, those of you that can see the bigger chart, the picture of the whole, that the word tabernacle means tent. But it means more than that, a tent where God lived. And since He lived, it was holy, and it gets the word sanctuary or tabernacle. But because God's people were traveling to the promised land, God would go with them. As He said in Exodus 25.8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So God in the midst of His people, and then leading them on, and since uh, the people were in portable tents, God would be in a portable tent called the tabernacle, the holy place, or the sanctuary. Now, having said that, uh, we also saw, if you look at verse 9, Hebrews 9 and verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present. We have reminded ourselves that word figure is the Greek word parable. You know, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And not all the parables were told by the Lord Jesus on earth. The Old Testament has a very big parable. It's the tabernacle. It is an earthly model that will tell us about a heavenly meaning. You know, as we learned in Hebrews 8.5, it was a shadow, an example of heavenly things. You can't see heaven. You can't see the Lord Jesus. But you look at this and it's an example now, it was only used as a system of worship for a time. It, it was a picture, just like there's pictures of you hanging in your house. It's not really you, though. If I pinched a picture, it wouldn't say ow. But it's a picture of you. So this was a picture, but a picture of who? We'll look at verse 11. Verse 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come, uh, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, but Christ. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and how to come to God and how things work in heaven. It's a picture of everything you can't see of how to know God through the Lord Jesus. So as we're studying the tabernacle, ask God to help your hearts and mind to see how you can see the reality of the Lord Jesus. It is a model that serves that purpose. Now having said that, just a little more review... We remember there's three major sections. It's all cut away for you, but the tent part, the sanctuary, I'm standing in it right now. It had two rooms. Room number one, I'm in it, the holy place. I'm walking into room number two, the holiest. The reason it's holiest, God lived right there. That cloud, that fire, right between these cherubim wings is where God told Moses, I will meet with you. It is the holiest, holy place, two rooms. Out here, I'm on the outside now, I'm on the outside now, is the courtyard. Just like you have a yard, maybe a patio, uh, so did God. Now, three sections. Number one out here, the courtyard. Then the house itself, room number one and room number two, making a total of three sections. Now, we're, we're giving you a word for each of these sections that begin with the letter S. It helps you understand the major thing that happened. If I walk out here to the courtyard, the major thing that happened out here was sacrifice. Sacrifice. Where an animal had to die, every priest standeth daily, 
ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. It was sacrifices for sins. That's where people had to begin. They didn't begin in here. They didn't begin there. They began with their sin having to be put away by something that never did anything wrong. Without spot had to die. A picture of how the Christ had to die for our sins. And that's where we have to begin with God in trusting the Lord Jesus as our Savior. So out here, the big word is sacrifice. The animals were put on here and blood would be put over here. Sacrifice. But then I go into the holy place and let me read a verse we read yesterday to show you the main activity there. We're in Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, look, if you would, at verse 6. Verse 6. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Not everybody, but the priest would go in the first tabernacle, room number one, and accomplish the service of God. You know what happened here? Service. Service unto God. Out here, sacrifice. In here, service. You see something to the picture already? Which comes first? Sacrifice for sins or serving God? You've got to get saved first. You've got to have your sins put away because God is holy. Then He wants you to serve Him. Sacrifice and service. Tonight, I'm not going to get that far this morning. If I dare walk in here, and I'll tell you tonight why I can do it. Okay? If I dare walk into the holiest, what happened here, God told Moses, there I will commune or speak with thee. It was the speaking, the voice of God. He would hear God speaking. So out here is sacrifice. In here is service to God, and then going closer to God, and hearing God and communing with God, speaking. Those are the three big activities that was associated with this. Now, having said that in review, yesterday we started to see what it meant to draw near and into the service of God, the local church and things like that. And we talked about this table, the one source of light, the lampstand. But we have not got to this piece. This piece here is a golden altar of incense. It was not for animal sacrifices. No animal ever came in here and died. That happened out there. But what happened here, would incense would go up. And the man who would do it was Mr. Aaron. I'll call him Mr. Aaron for the young people. Right? He was the high priest. And he was allowed to come here and burn incense unto the Lord. So first of all, I want to stay in this holy place before we go on this morning and show you what happened here in ministry to God and service to God. So I'd like you to see the historical record in Exodus chapter 30, please. The book of Exodus chapter 30. What else happened in here that was called ministry to God? Exodus chapter 30. And uh, verse 1, verse 1, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon, a shittim wood shalt thou make it. So there was an altar to, not to kill animals, to burn incense, and it was gold on the outside. Now look at where it was put in God's house in verse 6. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. It was to be right before this veil, this door that acted as a blockade. So that's why it's right here. Before the ark where God would meet with Moses. Now, so it's right here. It's still in the holy place, but it's very close to the throne of God, the ark of God. It's right before this closed veil door called the veil. Now, what happened there? Well, look at verse 7. Exodus 30 and verse 7. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So evening and morning, when he would dress those lamps that we talked about yesterday, the high priest, who was Aaron, he would come over here, 
and he would burn incense upon it. And that would ascend up into the very presence of God. Incense before the Lord. You see, if you lived back then and were in one of these tents here, you'd never smell it. You say, well, what's in a waste if I don't smell it? God did. It's for the Lord. Things that happen in here are for the Lord. And we've got to learn that some things of the church of God are for God. And so evening and morning, he would come over here and he would burn that incense as we learned before the Lord. It was perpetual, just like the bread was perpetual, the light was a continual forever light, so was the incense, always going up before God. Now, the person that was to do it was not everybody. You couldn't say, well, I'd like to do it. No. The high priest, and his name was Aaron. You know, some of you have asked questions. He, had a, he was ordained of God to represent people to God. He had a hat on, and in Hebrew it said, holiness to the Lord, set apart for God. Holiness to the Lord. He had this breastplate on. And it had a stone for every tribe of the children of Israel with a name on it. And the Bible said he wore it next to his heart. So that when he came here, he was representing the people next to his heart to God. They couldn't come, but he was their representative. And he cared for them. And he carried their names right next to his heart. And he was the one that was allowed to burn the incense here before the Lord. Now, as that ascended up before God, and it had, this man had to do it for you, the high priest, Aaron. And he had your names. He knew the names of the tribes. Look, look also what God says here in Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, and now verse 9. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. It was exclusively for incense. And you could not offer strange incense. And what that means is this. Say you went over here and you went, I don't like the smell of that. I have my favorite perfume at home. You know, Chanel number 5 for the women or I don't know what, Polo for the men, whatever it is. And you say, I'm going to go over and give this and this is the smell I like and I'll give it to God. No, you won't. It's not what you like, it's what God likes. You do not offer strange incense. It is sometimes in the church of God, which is the house of God today, 1 Timothy 3.15, not the tabernacle anymore. The house of God, which is the church of the living God, 1 Timothy 3.15. You know what we do? We try to bring things in that we like rather than what God likes. Oh, I, this is my favorite music. Let's do it here. What, is, what does God want? Well, He wants the heart. We start to bring in things. We say, I think it should be this way because I like it this way. No strange incense. This is a smell that was for God, and He would describe how it would be. Now let me show you a little more on that. If you go further down in chapter 30, for, further down in chapter 30, and uh, again, verse 33, speaking of the anointing oil, uh, verse 33, chapter 30, verse 33, Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever putteth any of it upon a stranger shall even be cut off from his people. Now verse 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices. Now he's going to name these sweet spices. They're the formula that make up the incense. Stocky, Anka, Galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be a like weight. Verse 35. And thou shalt make it a perfume a confection after the art of the apothecary, we'd say pharmacist today, tempered together, pure and holy. Anybody count how many ingredients were in God's incense? Anybody count them there? Four. And he gave the names, and they would be tempered together as one. All throughout this tabernacle is the number four. I haven't said anything about it, but the colors of the tabernacle, of the curtains and doors and veils, and well, there's four. There's the purple, the scarlet, the blue, and the fine linen. So there's four colors. Out that outside gate, count the post. There are four. And it comes to this incense, there were to be four ingredients in it. You know, when God starts to declare His glory, when He wanted to tell you about the Lord Jesus in the New Testament, wanted to tell you about Him. Anybody know how many gospel writers he used? Four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
And they all tell us about one person. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'm not going to go into all the meanings of the colors and the spices. Only to tell you that because they're four, they will take us to the four gospel writers to tell us the glories of this man called Jesus. And so this is what God wants. It is pleasant to Him. Dare we bring in things that we like when God says, speaking of the Lord Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So no strange incense, but there's something else they couldn't do. It's the other way around. Look look how the chapter closes in verse 38 or verse 37. Verse 37. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, Ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto thee, shall to smell thereto, shall even be cut off from his people. So you, you couldn't say, I don't like the smell, I'll bring something else. But now let's change it. You say, hmm, I do like the smell. That's really nice. Uh, Mr. Pharmacist, would you make some for my wife for anniversary? Make a little bit for me, and I would like us to all smell that way. Uh Uh-uh. Only God gets it. There are some things that are only for God that we don't take. And so there are some things you could not duplicate this for yourself. It is holy or set apart for the Lord. Just be careful in the church of God that things that belong to the Lord you don't take to yourself. So who would ever do that? Psalm 111, verse 9, holy and reverend is his name. Do people take that name because they got a degree at school? Be careful. Names that belong to God. Ministries that belong to God. He'll add to the church daily. Can we come up with a marketing program to do it? he, He gifts his believers. Can we just train people apart from the gift God gives them? Be careful of the desire to take what God can do and try to duplicate it for man. And so there's lessons to be learned. Now, having said that, having said that, back to this incense that would ascend up perpetually before the Lord. You know what's a picture of? I don't have to guess. I can tell you. David got a little insight in Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense. It is a picture of praying in the Lord Jesus to God, of praying to God. You say, can you be sure about that? Go with me to the New Testament and see. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Not only do we sit at God's table at the Lord's Supper and walk in His light, ministry to God, we pour out our hearts in thanksgiving and prayer and worship to God, and we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, the High Priest. But look here, if you would, at Revelation chapter 5, and John sees a scene in heaven. And here's what he sees. Revelation 5, and look at verse 8. Verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, that is, incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Golden bowls full of incense is the prayers of the saints. Let me show it to you one more time. Chapter 8 of Revelation. Chapter 8. And uh, verse 3. Chapter 8, verse 3. Another scene in heaven. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. See, the reality is in heaven. There's a throne in heaven, and there's a golden altar in front of God. This is just a model. And it goes on to say in verse 4, And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So that incense is connected with prayer. And in heaven, you know, as we as Christians, if you're saved, as we pray to God, you say, I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time to get to the church to pray. Well, sweet to God as you pray and and honor the Lord Jesus. You see, you couldn't do it directly, but He did it for you. You know who He's a picture of? The great high priest? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. 
Hebrews 4.14. So that when you pray, you just don't say, Dear God, dear Father. You pray, well, listen, in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto the Father to Him. Because you need a Savior. You need a representative. You can't come direct to God. That's a fallacy. People say, it doesn't matter what religion is. He sees my heart. Now, that's the problem. He sees your heart. Okay? And uh, you need a Savior. You've got to come through somebody. You just couldn't offer the incense. He did it. And you have to come through the heavenly Lord Jesus. But when you do, He'll hear it. He'll accept you. And it is sweet to God. It's not a waste of time prayer. It is something that's delightful to God. And so we learn a little bit at the golden altar of service unto God, praying to God through the Lord Jesus, lifting up His name and so on. And that is what God is taken up with. Now, there's a lot more there, but that's all we're going to say on that this morning. Now, having said that, having said that, we have covered a little bit in the outer courtyard of sacrifice for sin. We did that Friday night. We then spent quite a bit of time yesterday in the holy place ministering to God, concluding at the golden altar. But, you see this high priest here? One day a year, and that's it for him. One day a year, he could do something that everybody that lived in these tents couldn't do. The rest of the Israeli Jews couldn't do. The rest of the regular priests couldn't do it. One day a year, he could... I'm just going to put this back up for a minute so you'll use your imagination on this side. That veil was a blockade. A shut door says stay out. It had cherubim on it. Those are heavenly guards. Like you see guards at a palace or something. They're heavenly guards that are saying you can't come in here because the holy God lived there. This was a forbidden city. This was exclusive in here. In fact, one day, one day, let me tell you what happened. It was on one of the questions that were handed to me this morning. There was a king of Israel. He had no business here. He wasn't a priest. But he thought he was pretty big stuff because he was king. His name was Uzziah. He walked in here and started to burn incense. This, he got real close. He didn't even get in there. He got real close. Guess what happened to the man? Leprosy broke out all over him. He went home and he died. There are people who when this ark came outside, went up and they touched it. They dropped over dead. Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? 1 Samuel 6.19 We're sinful. God is holy. We just can't casually walk in as the lesson of the tabernacle. But how about all the sins the people committed? Well, when they remembered them, they were to bring a sacrifice. But a lot of things you do and you don't even know you did it. And God had a special ceremony one day a year that this man, the high priest, was allowed to come in here. But he had to come in very carefully. So let's learn about that. Let's learn about that. Uh, go back to Hebrews 9 for a minute. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, look at verse 7. Hebrews 9 and verse 7. But into the second, that's the second room, the holiest. But into the second went the high priest alone. Nobody went with him. Went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. He would go in here because of the errors or sins, and he would go in here alone once a year. In the Bible, that special day when the nation would have all their sins put away, is called the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. The Jewish people call it today Yom Kippur. You've heard of that. Yom meaning day. Kippur is the word for covering, which atonement means. I use the illustration, but I'll use it again. See my laser pointer? Yeah, you do see it. I just covered it. You can't see it. I kippured it. I atoned it. Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, is the day that God would take the whole nation's sins and cover them so they didn't stare God in the face and He couldn't see Him. That's what happened on that day. Now, I want to show you what had to happen for one's sins to be hid from God. That's a wonderful thing, to have your sins out of God's sight. But it wasn't automatic. You didn't say, Lord, uh, forgive my sins. No, no, no. 
Something had to happen because God is holy. So go with me to Leviticus chapter 16. And let's look at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, as God gave it. And then we'll see if it reminds us of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? But first, let's see the picture. Now, we're in Leviticus chapter 16. Let me show you what happened on that day in verse 30. For on that day the priest shall make an atonement for you to cleanse you that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. On that day, not you, not this person, the priest. This is going to be a very, very busy man because he's going to do all the work. My wife's going to be moving him all over the place. It's going to be hard to keep up, but we're going to try. He's going to make atonement for them so they can be clean from all their sins. Nothing on their record book. Nothing to be punished for. What a wonderful thing it is to be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Well, how did it happen? Let's see the story of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and how it points to the blessed reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. For that's what it does. Well, go to, if you would, to verse 1, Leviticus 16 and verse 1. We might start him over here. And verse 1 of Leviticus 16, the national cleansing of Israel. And the Lord spake unto Moses, verse 1, after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at old all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark that he die not for I will appear in a cloud upon the mercy seat will you tell Aaron that he cannot just come in there any time he wanted all times because he'll die so that he die not God doesn't want him to die but when he comes that one day a year here's how he has to come you look at verse 3 Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Now, we're going to see what this high priest did. He's going to picture the Lord Jesus. But there are verses I'm going to skip. I want to tell you why I'm skipping them. As the representative of the people, he was doing it for Israel, for the whole people, okay? He was their representative. But do you think he was a sinner? Do you think Aaron was a sinner? Yeah. He had his own sins to take care of. So he had to take care of himself first before he took care of the people. Now, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior today, did he have his own sins to take care of? No, he was apart from sin, teaches Hebrews 4.15. He was the Son of God. So what Aaron does for himself doesn't apply to the Lord Jesus because the Lord Jesus had no sin. I'm going to skip most of those verses because the Lord Jesus couldn't fulfill that. He had no sin. But what Aaron did for the people will picture what the Lord Jesus has done for you and I. And those are the main verses I'm going to focus on, what he did for the people as their high priest. Well, you look here at verse 4, Leviticus 16 and verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and he shall be girded with a linen girdle and with a linen miter or hat, and shall be attired. These are holy garments, therefore he shall wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. That day he changed his clothes. In here, he would take off the garments of glory, that beautiful breastplate, that multicolored ephod or vest, and the blue robe called garments of beauty and glory in Exodus 28. All those glorious garments you have been looking off, in the holy place, he would take them off before he would ever go out there to sacrifice. And so he would have these holy linen garments on. And so there had been a change of clothes. He would not look near as glorious. He'd be in holy linen garments on that day. Well, having said that, you look, if you would, here at verse 5. And he shall take of the congregation of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. So, once he came out here, which he's about to do, I'm going to move these animals over here a bit. Thank you very much. He was to get two goats. Now there's a problem here. That Larry Price only made me one goat and one lamb. Okay? 
<laughs> so you're going to use your imagination for this purposes. This is a goat too, okay? He would get these two goats. Now here's what he would do. Let's just read a little more in Leviticus 16. Read a little more. And you look here at verse 7. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. He wore in his garment something called Urim and Thummim. I don't know how it worked, but it worked. I'm going to illustrate it here. And it, you'd call them dice today, but... but, but they would decide which goat would be the goat for the Lord and which would be the scapegoat. Well, the one that landed on this one, he'd be for the Lord, but that wasn't good news for him. That wasn't. You know what had to happen to that goat? Let me show you. Let me show you here. This is the day their sins have to be taken away. Someone has to die. And he would go over eventually, and he would put that knife in, and the blood would come out. And that goat for the Lord had to shed his blood if sin is going to be put away because of the ugliness of sin. However, the scapegoat that it landed on doesn't die. He doesn't die. He's going to be called the scapegoat or the goat. We'll talk more about him later. But this one did die. So goat number one had to give his life. This is the scapegoat. He'll come back into the picture later. But now once he did that, and decided who the goat is that would die, and who the goat is that would be the scapegoat, this now happens in verse uh, 13. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. First thing he had to do so he wouldn't die, the Bible says he had to get the incense. Remember that altar of incense we had here? I'm just going to illustrate this here. He would take this in. Let me show you what happens here. He would take this sensor in and he would lay it on the mercy seat and it would form a shield, a cloud with those spices. So there wasn't a direct contact. So first of all, that he died not. You know, Jewish tradition says that you had to tie a rope around him in case he died, you pulled him out. Well, that might be the tradition, but that's not in the Bible. Most people are surprised to hear that. What's going to keep him alive, number one, is this incense forms a cloud that he die not. But now something else has to happen. Now there's that cloud acting as a shield, speaking of the person of Christ. But you look here at verse 15. Verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil... And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Once he killed that animal, he would then make a trip. He'd be out here and when the people would see him, he'd be in those holy garments. He, those, not his glorious garments. And then he would catch the rest of that blood and he would make a trip as you're seeing him make. He'd disappear from the people. You see, they can't see him. This is all enclosed. We took it down so you could see it. And he would sprinkle it seven times, the Bible said in another verse, on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat and four and five and six, that perfect number, and seven. So there would be the blood of the sacrifice in front of God too. Anybody remember what was inside that ark? The Ten Commandments. Ah, I know you did. The Ten Commandments. that They broke. Our sin, the record against our sin is in there. Well, how can the two meet? Between the Ten Commandments that we break, all have sinned, is the blood of the sacrifice. And he didn't die that day. Because the blood of the pure sacrifice was there. That's why he lived, not because of a rope, because of the incense and the blood of the sacrifice. Now, Keep in mind what happened. He took off his glorious garments. He comes out where everybody can seize him and has to give a sacrifice. He then catches the blood and disappears from everybody back into the holiest and presents it to God. But then one day, he'll begin to come out. Now, But now comes these goats into play here, as we'll just stop him there in the holy place for a minute. You look here, if you would, at verse 20... Uh, verse... 20, okay? Verse 21. Verse 21. 
And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away into the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Now Aaron would come over here and I'll just uh, bring him right here. Here's this other goat that didn't die. It's going to be called a scapegoat. He would lay his hands on him and he would confess the sins. All the sins of the people are going to be borne by this animal. Now, goat number one, the animal number one, shows what has to happen for sin. Animal number two is going to show the effects of what that causes. Let me explain to you. Uh, I say it's raining outside. You say, well, I better take an umbrella. You take an umbrella, that's what you did. You come back in, you fold it up. I say, you're all dry. You say, yeah, I am all dry because I took an umbrella. The umbrella is what you did. Being all dry is the results of what you did. Goat number one is what the Lord Jesus had to do. He had to die for your sins. We're going to see the second goat is the results of what he did. So the hands were laid on him. Once that happened, he got a fit man. A fit man, yes. And here's what he was to do. Just watch what happens here. He had all the sins of the people on him, and he was to take him out to the wilderness. He was going to disappear. Let me read verse 22. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. So he takes him away to where nobody lived. Off he'll go, never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. Just got to get around that thing. Where nobody lived, he's bearing the sin. And once that goat disappears, you'll never see your sins again. Where nobody lives... And so, blood has to be shed, but the result is the sins are carried away and no one will ever see them again to a land not inhabited. Now, once that was done, Aaron was to stop in here. Guess what he was to do? He was to redress. He was to put back on his garments of glory. So let's read it. Let's read it here. Look, if you would, at verse 23. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and shall put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering, the burnt offering of the people and make an atonement for himself and for the people and the fat of the sin offering, etc., he was not to kill another sin offering, however. He had some more ceremonial things to do. But he would put on these garments of glory, and he would walk outside and come forth. So let's get the picture now. When Day of Atonement started, he changed the garments of glory and put on the holy linen garments. He would then come out here, not looking glorious, but looking in those white linen garments, and he would sacrifice the animal. He would then disappear and go into the very presence of God and present that blood before the Lord Himself. When He was done presenting the blood, after the scapegoat was chosen or sent, He would then come out and come forth where people could see Him, not to kill another sin offering. There were other things to do, but not to kill another sin offering. And when you saw Him when He came out, He sure looked different than the first time. He's back in His garments of glory. That's Yom Kippur. The results? Look at verse 30. Again, verse 30. For on that day, the priest shall make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. The priest did it all. Look at verse 34. And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded. had to be repeated every year. But that's how it happened. Now, the Bible claims this is a parable of Christ. Has your mind gone anywhere? Let's see the reality now. I just showed you the picture, but we don't have to do this every year now because Christ has come. Can I show you the reality in Hebrews 9? Hebrews chapter 9, please. Hebrews chapter 9.
In this section of Hebrews 9, brothers and sisters and friends, it speaks of three appearings of Jesus Christ our Lord. Three appearings. Let me show you one of those appearings in verse 26. Verse 26. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, it says, For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once in the end of the world, or the end of the age, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The first major appearing of the Lord Jesus on planet earth was to put away sin, not by the sacrifice of an animal, but the sacrifice of himself. It didn't go into an animal that day. I tell you, it went right into him. That's where it went. And he shed his blood. And so it is the appearing of the Lord Jesus. When the Lord Jesus appeared and died on the cross, was he in all his glory as God? The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. It said he was in the very form of God. But he came to earth. And he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of men. He was a holy man, but he was a man. And so the people didn't recognize him as the Lord. It says, he came into his own, and his own received him not. It says he was in the world. The world was made by him, but the world knew him not. All the glory of the Lord, the Bible says he shines as the sun in its brightness, if you could see him in heaven. He has a sharp sword going out of his mouth, we learned last night. He has royal robes on. But when he came to earth, he looked like your neighbor. Because he put himself in a human body, though he was a holy man who never sinned. So that when he died on that cross, he sure didn't look like God. Just like this priest, when he came out to kill the sacrifice, this glory was not on him. Glory was not on him. Well, what happened next? Once the sacrifice was over, he went into the presence of God. Well, the Lord Jesus has not only appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, but look at verse 24. Hebrews 9 and verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. Let me stop there. The Lord Jesus did not go into the Jewish temple. He couldn't. He, he wasn't a priest uh, after Aaron's line. But I'll tell you where he did go into the reality. It says, they're only a figure of the true. Into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. He has disappeared from earth, and just like He disappeared from the outside, He now appeared in the presence of God. And the Lord Jesus is in the very presence of God. What did He do there? Look, look at Hebrews 9 and verse 12. Hebrews 9 and verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He's in heaven itself representing the believer as your high priest and Savior. And he, he does it as long as he lives. How long does he live? You've got a Savior forever. He lives forever. That's the beautiful gospel. And so he's gone into the holy place with his own blood. And on the basis of his own blood, he ascended up to God at the finished work of Calvary. And God accepted him. God raised him from the dead. So you can't see him today because he's representing believers in the presence of God based on his own blood. That's what he's doing. So that if you sin, you can confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive it. 1 John 1 9. But is that the end of the story? Did the high priest stay in here? No, he did not. He came back out, he put back on the garments of glory, and he came out. He appeared to put away sin, he appears in the presence of God. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. It says So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I will come again, he said. He's coming back. And when the Lord Jesus comes back, and do you think he'll look just like a mere man? The Bible says he'll come back as the sun shines in his glory. Matthew 24:30 says, The Son of Man shall come in great glory in the power of the angels. He's going to come in glory. It says the nations of the earth will wail. They'll see this magnificent God coming down. He'll be in all His glory. He'll look like the God He is. And the sword coming out of His mouth. He'll come in great power and glory. Don't underestimate Him. Just like the picture showed you, when He came forth, he was, He's going to appear the second time. 
And it's not going to be to deal with sin. It's going to be to save us from the judgment that's coming. To take the believers out of the judgment and to judge the nations and so on without going into detail there. And so what a picture God has given us. He appears to put away sin and he looks at, he's holy. He's not in glory. He then goes in front of the Lord and presents that blood and represents the believers. Then eventually he puts that glory back in and comes out. Christ appeared to put away sin. He appears in the presence of God for us and he will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The Son of Man shall come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Are you ready? Are you ready? But you see, here it had to happen once a year because it was only animal's blood. Look at chapter 10 here. Look at chapter 10 and verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect, speaking of their conscience. For then they would not have ceased to be offered because what, that once the worshipers were purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices a remembrance again made of sins every year. Picture yourself a Jewish person back then. And he goes in and presents the blood and all your sins are guys. Oh, I feel so good. My record is clean for that year. And then you yell at your husband or yell at your wife. He says, ooh, <laughs> got a problem. You know, it's something like paying income taxes, especially those that are self-employed. April 15th, you do all the paperwork or you hire somebody to do it. You say, oh, my taxes are all paid. I'm free. He said, but I owe them next year. <laughs> and i got to be careful what I do in May and put money aside. And so it begins to build back up. That's what it was like. They would remember their sins again the next year. It was ongoing. It only worked for a year. Remember the Lord Jesus because He's not an animal. He's the Son of God. He has gone once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. It's eternal. It's a perfect sacrifice. And He saves you forever. What a gospel we have. I want to close with this. On that day shall the priest make an atonement for you. He did it. He did it. Just in closing, go back to Leviticus 16, please. Leviticus 16. He did the sacrifice. He went in alone. He changed his clothes. He came back out. Uh, he got the scapegoat, etc. He was a very, very busy man. Of course, a scapegoat means somebody who takes the blame, doesn't it? You ever do something bad in a sports game and you're the goat? Well, he, that scapegoat takes the blame for your sin and carries it away. What a gospel we have. But what did you do that day? Here you are, the part of the nation, and he's a very busy man. I wonder what you're doing today. Your sins are put away. Well, it's going to tell you what you're doing, more exactly what you're not doing. Look at Leviticus 16. Leviticus chapter 16. And uh, uh, verse uh, 29, verse 29, 16:29. And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you. For on that day the priest shall make an atonement for you to cleanse you. Verse 31. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by a statute forever. On that day, it was a Sabbath. You did no work. You, you, didn't, you simply, in your heart, you were contrition, you repented, you afflicted your souls, but you didn't get money out to pay. You didn't make a pilgrimage on your knees. You did nothing that day. No work. And He did it all. And you shall be clean from all your sins before the Lord. That's a picture of Christ's gospel. What work as a sinner do you do to get your sins remitted and taken away today? Listen to the gospel. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, Titus 3.5. Listen to Romans 3.28. God says it over and over again. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Listen to the verse the children could say this morning, Ephesians 2.8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast or glory. 
How can a sinner say, well, I did this and I didn't do this? You're glorying before God and you're nothing but a sinner. But God in His love has sent His Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Christ did it all. He sacrificed Himself. He rose again. He's appearing in the presence of God. He'll come again someday before judgment falls to, for salvation, not to die for sin. On that day, the priest shall make atonement for you. I hope your confidence this morning is not in yourself. You'll turn from self. You'll repent of this pride and sin, and you'll turn to the Lord Jesus. And for those of you that are saved, you don't have to get saved again. He's appearing in the presence of God for you. And waiting for us coming and help, help to witness the gospel through these pictures and understand the importance and the value of prayer and then what he has done for you. Why, what a wonderful message we have. And so that's all we want to cover this morning. Tonight, tonight, we've talked a lot about here, talked a lot of here. We've showed how the high priest went in once a year. But we're going to find out something big has happened. This veil has been torn so that every believer can come in. And some other things tonight. But that's tonight. So we're going to close in prayer and ask God's blessing on His Word. Okay? Our Father in heaven, we are in Thy presence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How we thank Thee for Him and how we thank Thee Thou hast given us a picture that children can even take in of what the Lord Jesus did. It's not of us. If there's any here and their confidence has been in their own good works and this and that, may they afflict their souls now and humble themselves as a sinner and see that that priest is a picture of the Lord Jesus. He died for their sins. He rose again and He's coming again. If they'll trust Him, they will be saved, it says. For He has done the work. And for those of us that are saved, may we see the, the value of coming together in prayer at sweet incense unto Thee as we pray in the Lord Jesus' name. And then in this gospel, we rejoice not in getting saved again. We have eternal redemption. But we worship and rejoice because He has done this. And so we just pray to bless the assembly this morning, encourage them with this word, and if it pleases you to bring us back safely tonight as we commit from the youngest to the oldest in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.